Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to that. I've been meaning to listen to that. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Talk about it. Welcome to the show. Welcome to I've Been Mean to Listen to That, the podcast, where we go through albums we've been mean to listen to and use it as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I'm Andrew Ambrose Lee, and this is a big episode uh, for some big steppers over here. Uh, this is a this is a big episode. Uh, this is one of the biggest records of this year like in my opinion what i think my favorite i think my record of the year just on a personal i can't speak to and maybe i just need to listen to more music and stuff like that like obviously um so I, but like right now this is currently my record of the year you know it's a very intimidating thing because it's so dense it's so deep it's so there's a lot of ideas contradicting ideas good ideas maybe some problematic ideas here and there um but in order to do so, I needed to get two guests that I really admire and trust and want to hear what they think about it. So let's just get straight into it. Uh, it's our guest, Stanley Philippe and Christina Carty, everybody. Yay! Yay! What's, up? What's up? So, oh my God, this is so exciting. Uh, thank you all so much for coming by. Uh, let's just get straight into it. Like, Christina, what is your preconceived notion on... And history with Kendrick Lamar, basically. I come from like a unique perspective in that this is the first Kendrick album that I really listened to critically. Like I uh, had definitely heard his other records and like, I think Damn was maybe the first album that I, he really came on my radar. Um, but this was the first album that I like took the time to sit down and listen to track by track and, and like have kind of more nuanced opinions on. And I think that's important because a lot of people are comparing this album to his previous albums and like I think for a lot of people this album their opinion on it is so contingent on the context that they know Kendrick in whereas like I feel like this album it almost exists in a vacuum for me with Kendrick where I'm not like oh it's been a butterfly it was like so much better because I'm like (laughs) maybe I don't know (laughs) not for me like you know so I I don't know if that's like a preconceived notion but it is it, it was kind of like a clean slate that I had that I think not a lot of other people had when they approach this album. What about you, Stanley? What's your preconceived notions with uh, just Kendrick Lamar in general? Yeah, I mean, Kendrick, Kendrick for me is, is before this album was the the savior. Like he was the savior of hip hop in the way that I like hip hop music. And I was thinking about it this morning and he, he was like this hybrid of, you know, Drake, Kanye and Jay in the way that, you know, Drake is so popular and everything that he does causes such a wave and Kendrick has a similar type of hype machine in a different manner but still there's an excitement level with every Kendrick project um Jay-Z for me is the greatest rapper of all time and Kendrick is the guy that's kind of challenging that crown and and when it comes to Ye like Ye started his career with you know banger 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 you know it was all classics and Kendrick started off classic 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 and so when this came out you're thinking classic and i think that's where 
people kind of had this different notion of this album is you were expecting Dan. And what you got was Kendrick, the man, the flawed human. And that that flawedness then caused you to think about, well, is he really our savior? Can our savior be flawed? Can Superman have uh, have kryptonite? And so that's why I think this album is such an important one to dissect because because he let us in completely into himself. And it's something that we don't really do in the craft, right? Like hip hop, there's such a bravado because you're telling these authentic stories, but there's a protectionism to the community that's kind of built into the genre. And Kendrick had chipped away at that community. And then this one's just kind of like, all right, guys, like, this is me. I I fucked up a lot. Now, are you going to continue to follow me? And if you do, like that's up, that's on you. But you're following me to a place where you're going to have to be super vulnerable. So, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, yes, that was that's that's how I felt going into the album. I think like it's it's he's letting you in, and like the priority becomes his story and not the music, which is like something that I've seen a lot in forums is like, oh, no replay value. Like, where's the replay value? And so that's why I like, yeah, I love what you said because. It, it feels like the priority has shifted away from like classic bangers replay value to like, this is who I am. And I, the vibe that I got just seeing like community responses, to this album is that not everyone was down for that. Like mm-hmm. in a way that kind of pissed me off. It's like, okay, you're writing for this artist, but as soon as he becomes a human, instead of just a rapper, you're like no longer interested. You know, that was what was a really interesting thing to kind of witness in the responses to this album. Kendrick does a really good job of like what Stanley was saying, like tying the hype, like the, you know, he's a great pop artist at the same time. He understands how to craft great pop at songs. Um, You know, the conscious, like, you know, thoughtful, like provocative, you know, life, potentially life-changing art. And then also like, you know, I think he's like next to like, uh, like yay and Taylor Swift and, you know, Jay-Z and like uh, Beyonce in terms of just like great artists, great artists who like change the zeitgeist every time they do a thing, every time they, um, you know, change their style every time, like um, have hip hop is like one of my favorite genres because you could cram so many ideas, so many contradicting ideas, so many musical ideas into something very complex and very human in a way that it's a little harder to do with like country. It's a little harder to do because you're kind of like telling a very straightforward. I just really love what he does with the craft. So um, yeah, he's like one of my favorite artists next to, you know, yay before he became you know, horrible <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and stuff like that. The idea of, um, but just like this really inspiring person, this really gifted artist and stuff like that. And like, but also a guy who, I didn't fully understand either. Like, I just like, I don't pretend to fully understand this record. I don't pretend to fully understand Dan. Like you're telling me like five years later, I, you get it now. Like, I don't fully understand. Like, first of all, just like me not being African-American, me not being black, like just like that disconnect of just like, well, I don't, I can't, I don't have that lived in experience, but also uh, what he's saying is so dense, like, and like, that's something. So I love, but I love the idea that it's not going back to his music for, um, 
or ju- only replay value because like there's so much, much great music that does that it's more going back and seeing if you can extract something new every time you listen like that's why i wanted to wait a few months before discussing it. i didn't want to do it the week after it came out i wanted there to be some distance and some how is this sitting with me and stuff like that so i'm really mm-hmm. excited yeah and, and like the artists that we love uh we like collectively love that stand out and that, that lasts the test of time they're the ones who who present themselves uh they, that first record is such a build up of your whole lived experience uh from a social and personal perspective and then afterwards you have the the challenge of either repeating yourself or recreating and reliving and i think what kendrick does better than anyone is he lives and then he comes back and he's giving you a uh, an adaptation or an update and an upgrade on whatever came before and whereas a lot of artists what they'll do is they'll say well hey this worked so that formula is going to be what i'm going to use to repeat 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 mm. i.e drake right like this is where drake is at and it's all good to do that but Kendrick uh, does such a great job of going away, breathing, because you don't hear about Kendrick unless music is actually part of the conversation. He's not loud like uh, like, our, like our guy. Our like guy, some yay. people we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like still my favorite, yay. Uh, but he's not loud. He's He's somebody that goes away. And then the music allows you to know what he's been thinking and doing. And I think with this record, uh, I mean, I, I was thinking of Kendrick like the hip hop therapist. And then this record, he just said, I'm going to therapy. Like I, Kendrick, am going to therapy. And because you guys follow me, you're going to be in the therapy session too. And I think so, well, that's why people don't want to re- replay it because it's uncomfortable to go to therapy. It's funny because like this, if this record is a therapy session, when you go to therapy, you unload these unacceptable thoughts in like uh, mm-hmm. thoughts unacceptable to society um, so that you can go to society and operate. Okay. You know, like, yes, I think that's why uh, for example, like uh, auntie diaries is, I think I, I understandably, I do not. If someone heard that song, a trans person or a queer person heard that song and was hurt and was like, even if I understand what you were trying to do, um, I can't, it just was so painful. That was such a painful thing to hear that, that I'm not going to listen to this anymore. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, and, mm-hmm. and like the standing next to Kodak Black and stuff like that. I'm not going to engage with this. Like, I, I can't, like, it upsets me and it's like, it's dangerous, all that stuff. So, you know, so I get it. I don't, I, I don't want to like come across like we're like, I'm looking down on people. Like, also, like, again, because I'm not part of these, uh communities necessarily i'm kind of an outsider looking in i can have some distance of just like well this doesn't affect and and that's like you know an empathy thing that could be that could maybe change one day the idea of just like well because i'm distant from it then i can just like observe it and go like oh it's interesting that you put kodak black there like oh what's he trying to say Mm -hmm. you know stuff like that (laughs) you know um so yeah let's get into themes of this record we there's so much to talk about um but stanley i want to hear what you think this <laughs> what you think this album is about and stuff like that like i think it's an album about um accountability vulnerability and exposure 
right? Like, like Kendrick, I think in this album or previous work, he was trying to do those same things from a, again, from a social perspective. So I think he was saying how we need to keep our societies accountable for the conditions they've created that affects so many of the lives that we are rightfully so are trying to bring up because they've been marginalized, whether it's black lives, whether it's, uh, you know, lives in the LGBTQ plus community, uh, poor lives, just those who don't get a fair shot at life. So there's that accountability uh, factor. But I think with this record, what he's doing is he's saying, all right, it's time for me to be accountable. And again, that, that forces you as a listener to start asking yourself, like, well, am I accountable too? And that that questioning then leads to the vulnerability part, right? Like, it's really difficult to be vulnerable uh, because when you're vulnerable, you remove that safety net and you're told to jump and to trust that everyone below you will catch you. And if they don't catch you, like you're dead. So, so Kendrick, in many ways, in this album, I think what he did was he removed the safety net of the hits that Dan produced, and just kind of said, "I'm gonna jump into into all of you, and I'm hoping you're gonna catch me. And if you don't catch me, well, guess what? I wasn't your savior to begin with, so it's all good, you know. So, so that that kind of vulnerability, I think, is a huge, huge part of the record." And I forgot what my third thing was, so I'll stop talking there. <laughs> my, I'm trying to find the best way to put this into the words of like, it's kind of vulnerability with higher stakes. It's like kind of towing the line about what can I share? Like Andrew, earlier you talked about like therapies where you go to share the thoughts that you're not allowed to say out loud, you know? And so in past albums, kind of talking about like, I feel guilty going on tour when my friend is dead. This is stuff that like is not comfortable, but is safe. This isn't a, this isn't a type of vulnerability that is going to encounter any kind of like really serious backlash but like I think with this album kind of a theme was like just putting the stakes through the roof in terms of vulnerability it's like really showing like all of like the ugliest parts of Kendrick um and so that was I think for me like the biggest theme at least as a listener I don't know how intentional it was on Kendrick's side but it was like me kind of having those reactions like oh my god Kodak Black is on this album like oh my god anti-diaries like the theme was that reaction for me as a listener of being like, can I accept this from Kendrick? Can I challenge this? Um, and then in like our own communities, when these like same, same things are reflected, can I accept it? Can I challenge it? And so I think for me, that was such a big theme of the album. And then the conversations I've had about it is like, where is the line between accountability and vulnerability? Where is the line between, you know, like he talked, there's a, a snippet he uses that talks about like, when you create your identity, you're on being a victim. Like, what does that have? Like, what what does that do to you, you know? And like, so I think that was something that was really prominent to me theme-wise. And then also like the the separation of the two discs, like the Mr. Morale part to so the Kendrick side of it. And then the Big Steppers was like, kind of like the state of the art, you know, the, like the first half of the album is very much like, this is what the world is. This is, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and frankly, that was, I think this first half of the album resonated with me less because it was just like, kind of like you know cancel culture this is what the world is like and the second half of the album is the mr morale part where he's like now this is like my personal diary and that was that's part of the album that i think was so much more resonant with me because it was like okay now we're getting now we're like getting down and down and dirty you know it's the Mm -hmm. removal like the second half of the album is the removal of the ego like it's the removal of Mm -hmm. that that's um because i want to talk about eckhart tolle and like uh the 
I watched a bunch of his videos. I really like what he's saying. Like, I think he's like, um, he was like, uh, founded kind of like, uh, propped up by Oprah. A lot of like, that was like kind of like his, uh, you know, how he rose to like a super level of prominence. Um, but I think, so why is he being vulnerable? Why, why is he being vulnerable? What's the function of him being this vulnerable without a safety net and him exposing these thoughts that are unacceptable to society and like to unacceptable to share, um, to removing the mask. Why is he doing this? It's because our world is sick. Our world is sick. It's a sick world. It's, um, it's sick because like we all are in pain. Everyone's in pain. Everyone's Mm -hmm. suffering. Everyone's had serious trauma. And it's like, and like black people have like, way more like more generational trauma less resources and stuff like that so basically like tpab like uh was such this beautiful statement of empathy and like you know black empowerment and elevated him from being like omg he's a great rapper he's a good you know he's a great storyteller too he's our prophet he's the goat he's the voice of a generation he's the soundtrack to this black these black lives matter protests he's a symbol of hope and stuff like that much like Lauren Hill, much like yay, the responsibility became too much to shoulder, and he started to recognize the limitations of just making arts and making statements. Like the statements aren't going to stop violence, the statements aren't going to stop racism and stuff like that. Uh, so Dam is like dealing with that heaviness of like I'm shouldering this pain, I'm sh- shouldering this responsibility, and I'm deeply depressed. It reminds me of Mister Rogers after like nine eleven, where Mister Rogers spent. 50 plus years making beautiful television for kids to speak to their inner child, to like heal them from trauma and stuff like that, like vulnerable children. And then nine, he retired. He was like, okay, I'm going to go now. And then nine 11 happened. And then PBS was like, we need you to speak to these, ch- to speak to people. And he's like, I think he, you could see the, like the, the reticence on his face. He's like, okay you know just like this like real like this undefeatable evil and stuff like that in the like uh for a person dedicated to doing such putting such good in the world and um so and meanwhile realizing that people are fake no one actually loves him uh no one's praying for him and stuff like that um you know i'm not actually not that good of a guy and stuff like that it's like uh you know five years later him going being a dad him confronting a sex addiction, him going to therapy. His question is, how do we actually confront this general pain, this generational pain and make it stop? How do we get it to stop? Like, how do we end the cycle? And then he turns to Eckhart Tolle because like the stakes are high and it feels impossible to change. His basically his journey starts with the idea that he was su- Eckhart Tolle was suicidal and depressed and lonely. And he thought to himself, I can't live with myself anymore. This idea, I can't live with myself. And then he starts to think, well, who is I and who is myself? What? Why do I think of myself as two beings and stuff like that? So it's like that moment was a separation from his perception of self, aka the ego versus actually himself and stuff like that. So it's like, so while it's undeniable that we have a past, um, if we, it's when we identify ourselves only with our perceptions of ourselves 
that becomes a problem, basically. Of if I think I'm a piece of shit, I am a horrible person, I went through this trauma, so I'll never get out of this trauma, you know, it's because our perception of self is based on memory and our own thoughts, it's unreliable. It also flattens our reality um, because that section of who I am is very small. And then to feed the ego, you flatten and desensitize yourself and dehumanize other people. It makes us unconscious. It makes us like, he calls it our pain bodies and the idea of uh, we unconsciously cause other people pain. And it's like this never ending cycle. And his, like the idea of like, why is Dave Chappelle have transphobic thoughts? Why, why does Caitlyn Jenner, who went through this horrible transphobia, homophobic? Why is like, yay, who went through these traumatic things, like have these anti-Semitic thoughts and stuff like that? Like, why do suffer? Why do people who experience, who are victims, like victimize and stuff like that? Mm. The, the way out of it is to, recognize yourself as just a being of presence of I am not my thoughts. I am not this story. I tell myself, I am just a being of presence. I am talking to Stanley. I'm talking to Christina. I'm speaking to my MacBook computer. There's a microphone here. This is who I am. I'm not any of that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And that presence is how, when your pain body gets activated, how you can get out of it, how you can go, wait, I'm noticing that I'm feeling triggered by this. So I'm going to be present and aware and conscious. And so, yeah, that's basically some of the things I spoke a lot, but how does that, how does that make you, how does that reach you? How does that make you feel and stuff? (laughs) (laughs) There's an interview actually where Kendrick says like literally that this album is his most present album. So I feel like you, you kind of nailed it. (laughs) One thing you said was um, that made me laugh was, uh, how loud it gets like on Twitter and stuff. And it, it reminds me of what, you know, when you're kids and you go to like your family's parties or whatnot, and there was the adult table and there's a kid table and Twitter is like the kid table, <laughs> but it's, but it's like the biggest table out there. And so it just seems like it's actually real normal life. Yeah. yeah. But, but it isn't right. The adults are still in the room and they're still having conversations and Kendrick is having like an adult conversation. And then every so often he tells you like, shut the fuck up when you hear love talking, <laughs> right? Like he's telling the kids like, shut up because the adults are having a loving conversation and, and love, love can be exposing who you are. And that exposure is very, very difficult because when you're exposed and everyone can see you. So we we don't always want to be seen. And that's why we hold on to the past uh, on a positive end too. When you do something really good in the past, you hold on to that and you're like, that was me. And that is me, but it isn't. It was a past version of you and you've morphed since then. Similarly, in negative things happen, that is also not who you are now, but it's so hard to like divorce yourself from, from your dark passenger. I was watching Dexter on a flight, the, the dark passenger, right? Like that's what, that's what your, your past and our, our collective history is. It's the dark passenger. And every so often it comes back up and it, and it rears itself and it says like, Hey, don't forget about this trauma. Don't forget about that event. And make sure you behave in today's lens, looking at yesterday's lens. But your your eyesight's changing all the time, right? So it's like, I think Kendrick, I think Kendrick just got really annoyed 
more than anything. I think he had time. Like I call it privilege time. Like when we were doing the pandemic, those who had, you know, still were able to work from home and weren't in a kind of a dire financial or harmful relationship or situation going into the pandemic. We just had a lot of bullshit time to, to do nothing, but mm-hmm. think, right? <laughs> and so when you're thinking a lot and you're only thinking about your own kind of personal life, then then it becomes really, really annoying because you're like, oh, fuck, like I didn't do this. I could have done that. I should have been here. I should have been there. And all of a sudden, those thoughts start to multiply. So I think Kendrick just had a lot of time to think. He had a, he had a lot of girls to fuck. And I think that also uh, played a role in him wanting to be vulnerable. And and Whitney's like the MVP of this whole mm-hmm. thing. I mean, traditionally black women are the MVPs of any <laughs> culture or situation they're in. But, but in this kind of album, it's like, she's the MVP because she's the one who had to deal with the immediate trauma of her husband cheating on her repeatedly. She then had to be mature enough to say, Hey, I think you should go see a therapist when he's like, ah, no, I'm good. Right. Like, like she, she did that. She then had to allow Kendrick to share all that vulnerability on that record because Whitney's not a rapper. Right. So I, while Kendrick can put up really cool bars and it sounds cool for us to repeat the stuff, she's actually having to relive this over and mm-hmm. over and over again. And to give him permission to expose that, that's massive that, that she actually allowed him to do so. So for that reason alone, like this album should be kind of glorified as a real artwork because because the artist in this case is Whitney, you know, it's, mm-hmm. or at least the inspiration is Whitney and, and the strength that she showed and the courage and the vulnerability that she showed and, and allowing Kendrick to be as, as honest uh, on this record. Yeah. I think something else that you brought up, like regarding what both you brought up about like the, the necessity of presence and the necessity of like, not looking at the person you were yesterday. I think that's where like the racial component becomes so important because at least in the U S that's the society where black people can't not be reminded constantly Mm -hmm. about their like historical trauma because it's like, it isn't, it's ingrained in the presence, right? Like you can't escape that. Like society won't let you escape that. And so like, I think that's why the juxtaposition of even like literally in the album, like the first half being like the, the big steppers, the world, the culture, and the second half being Kendrick being like, how do I be present? Like when, on like a on a cultural side of level, our race cannot be present, cannot escape those those historical traumas. And like, I think that's something. I mean, after y'all have talk, like spoken, that has become more clear as a theme to me is like juxtaposing the necessity to like let go of the past with a society that will not let you let go of the past, and finding your own personal identi- identity in the context of your racial identity, your cultural identity. Your like, and so I think those are two. I don't have an answer for how you do that. And I don't think Kendrick does either, but I think that's kind of the point. I think it's mm-hmm. therapy. I think it is mm. therapy. Like, cause he, um, it's not like it stopped. Like when you become present, it's st- like your trauma goes away. Like maybe presently mm. you are suffering from the aftermath of trauma. Yeah. Cause, cause therapy is like that, right? Like, like when I started going to therapy, like the first few sessions, like I, I still, I think it's still to this day, I'm still kind of holding back a little bit, but I really was holding back at the beginning because I'm like, although I am like literally paying to be vulnerable, you still have this kind of, well, what if that person who's my therapist happens to see me at the grocery store the next day? 
Or literally, you like, know. post it on, like, TikTok and stuff like that. Like, yes. you know, the, the <laughs> yes. idea of just, like, some therapy. Have you seen that, like, meme, like, that TikTok of, like, the therapist going, like, when your client starts trauma dumping on you? Yes. Yeah. Or just, like, like because I used to, like, I have, I'm friends with therapists, and they used to, like, they, it's a private account, but, like, they would, like, share stories about their clients. And I was, like, that made me really uncomfortable. And, like, as, mm-hmm. like, someone who goes to yeah. therapy and stuff like that. And so it's, like, I don't trust my therapist. I trust my therapist less because of that. Like, the idea just, like. Yeah. But also what's interesting is that, you know, uh, therapy is is transactional. Just, yeah. like just like music is right. So, so although we were like, Oh, Kendrick's the guy, he's our savior. It's still a transaction. It's not like we say to Kendrick, Hey man, you can come over to my place whenever you want and just kind of use all my, use, eat all my food and use my resources. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. You got to give me a product. I'm going to pay for said pro well, pay for said product. And then I'm going to then get something out of it. Right. And therapy, yeah. whenever, whenever it's time to pay for my therapy session, I remind myself, Oh right, like this person doesn't actually know me, know me. Mm-hmm. Like there is a transaction that's involved, and I think with Kendrick, what he's kind of saying is he's kind of telling everybody, "Hey, guess what? I get that this is a transaction. I'm just not going to." And he ends it saying, "I choose me." So I'm choosing to edit the change the terms of our agreement. I'm not going to be what you label me as a savior or this king, because wearing that crown is there's a lot that goes with that crown, and it's literally costing me my own happiness. So. I don't know if I'm willing to do that transaction anymore. And then we're faced with, you know, are we left with no Kendrick as our savior? And if he's not the savior, then who is? Mm-hmm. We're our own. Like we're supposed to be our own saviors in some regard. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're supposed to do it ourselves. Like I think by, but at the same time, by not sacrificing himself for the culture, like for, not giving his life away, not throwing it away, um, like so many, you know, celebrities do like he's actually modeling and mir- showing, showing us how to save ourselves. He is showing us how to mirror, like we could use him as a mirror to go, oh, I could do this. Like, you know, and the end result could be a happy life could be when we actually do fight for the things that are important. It's not because we're in such pain all the time we're in like like we because we're in pain we want to cause pain for other people it's because we have something to we have something like that we love that we want to like protect and stuff like that we have something like value more important than a a culture Mm. or something like that or like just like but i know quickly and i'll stop talking but um there's the in game of thrones there was that scene where uh the king uh, was it Baratheon? Anyways, he was like, <laughs> like, what's what's stronger, five armies or one, right? Five or one. I'm, I'm doing like my five fingers or a fist. And culture is synonymous with community. So when we talk about we and I, the we is what is going to save us. Mm-hmm. I can save mm-hmm. myself from a privileged perspective, right? Because I'm I have enough resources to just say, fuck it. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to make sure that I live a happy life. And I surround myself with nothing but sources of joy. But we, because of how things are set up systemically, we don't have the privilege to say fuck it. Because when we say fuck it, we get fucked. 
So mm-hmm. in some ways, we need that protection. We need—I was going to say—we need that condom, but we, we, need, <laughs> we need that. Prote- we need that protection, and we need these people who are like a Kendrick that are in a very kind of um, privileged um, state that's still fighting for us. And and don't get me started on Ye because I'm think I'm just thinking about my my guy. And what's been really challenging is that it's like he no longer is doing it for us. He's doing it for himself, him being yay. And Kendrick is now saying similar things like, yo, I'm going to do me. I'm not going to be your guy. And it's great. And it is the model. But if we're thinking about community and culture as being one, then we do need someone to help us be us. And then for us to get out of our situation that we didn't put ourselves in, uh, in order to create a better version of our lives. So who's going to be that we builder, who's going to build that community and organize to allow us to actually thrive. But I think the problem is that like, I don't think that person should be a celebrity period. Like I think that this was the conversation I think Andrew and I had in like DMs when Mr. Morrow came out. Like this is my biggest, for a lot of people, the biggest controversy of the album was anti-diaries. And I think that is completely missing the point. I think the biggest controversy is the Kodak Black feature. That is the, that is like the, the point that I, that is what I grapple with, with this album. And I think the conversation that Andrew and I had was like, from a community point of view, we need, how do I, how do I choose my words in like a conductive way? Like, Abusers and people who cause harm cannot be ostracized from the community. That is counterintuitive to reform, like reformative justice. And so on a community level, these are decisions that have to be made about like, how do we, how do we as the community interact with this person who has caused harm? But that only works because of the community level decision-making in that we all know each other. There is a shared trust. There's a shared relationship here that allows us to kind of like assess okay, what does our community need to heal from this person? What does this person need? And so that's why on a, on like a Kendrick level, I think I told Andrew this, like, I don't know what conversations Kendrick is having with Kodak. I don't know what Kodak is doing in his life. I don't feel equipped to judge that. I don't like maybe Kodak Black is going to therapy and like changing his life. And maybe Kendrick is pouring into this person and acting as like, you know, a positive role model. But I don't think it, like, I understand that having Kodak Black on this album is harmful. You are giving a platform to, to an abuser. And like suddenly you talked about the transactional nature of this album. He is still profiting. Like he is making money from this album. Kodak Black is making money from this album. And that's hard to see because I'm not in community with these people that it hurts me because I wasn't a part of that decision. I didn't get to have a say to say like, this person is an abuser and I don't want to hear their voice on this album, you know? And so I think like, that's the problem with I agree that we need we builders, but when our we builders are celebrities, we lose so much of what is so important to like restorative justice and healing, which is community, which is those personal relationships that allow us to like examine ourselves and then examine our, our communities. And like, I, I, I don't know, I think the conversation is interesting because, you know, Kendrick is saying, I'm not your savior, but then we're saying like, no, but this album is the model. You know, he is in like, he's returning kind of to the savior and like, I feel like if Kendrick was here, he'd be like, no, man, like this is not what I want, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes. I think like that's the thing. It's like, um, because our moral leaders shouldn't be celebrities. It's like that's such a ridiculous idea. Like, that's such a like they, they shouldn't be our civil rights leaders, they shouldn't be our like, you know, like community builders. That's so weird. Like, um, they're just like 
it's like you know like the weird kid in your art school or whatever it's just like let's, <laughs> he made a cool diorama let's have him organize like the the student body or whatever that'd be weird um i think the trouble with like you know with what you're saying of the chaotic nature of um decision making and just like like uh because if you like read the discourse on auntie diaries some trans people are saying i actually really like this i think i once you get past some of the things like it's actually a very constructive thing that can help uh change perceptions and stuff like that to people who aren't understanding and then some people are like it's it's just a non-starter to use that word in the first place it's a non-starter to dead name people that's a complete non-starter it's destructive and stuff like that so it's like a very confusing there's a dialogue, but it's like the dialogue doesn't go anywhere. It's just like the cyclical. Mm. Now you just have two ideas, basically. Like you don't have mm. like, like not even two ideas, a million ideas, like millions of ideas and perspectives. Um, so it, I think like what he's positing is if we improve our morality individually individually like go to therapy individually heal our trauma then we can move together better we can make better decisions because right now we're just in this complete stage of disarray and confusion and anger and pain bodies and stuff like that you know yeah because because we're not we're not active listeners uh i remember when i uh first go went to therapy my my first go around in therapy and one of the things I realized was that I was bad at active listening. What I did was I listened for certain words and then I would so use So words are really words. interesting because I like to speak. <laughs> Bingo. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, so the, so the word was like, you hook on that word and then whatever was said afterwards didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the intentionality of, of using a, a word. And then at the end of that song, I think what's really important is him saying like, hey, it's all good. Use that word. But as long as other people can use another word that also has a lot of trauma and weight and really shouldn't be used. And, and I think that that kind of allowed us to say, okay, Kendrick gets it. Like he's not just saying this just to say it. He's saying it because there's a conversation that's there, but the 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 key words are, are, aren't allowing us to actually engage in the conversation which then doesn't allow us to move forward because you, you have to have that conversation to move forward and if you don't have the conversation then you're stuck in that same loop and we are stuck in that loop and then just to speak to Kodak I think that what Kendrick did was was say on a on a personal level like hey like this is my brother I'm gonna I'm going to hopefully support him and help him go through uh his issues to put it um, light mildly, but I think he was also mirroring our, uh, by our mean, like, like Black America's relationship to America, because in some ways, Kodak Black is to, uh, to um, well, the women that he abused, what America is to, uh, quote unquote, African Americans, in that if you want to continue to, um, or not continue, if you want to thrive in America, there needs to be some type of uh, conversation with America, mm-hmm. but America is your abuser. Like America yeah. is the one that brought you here, enslaved, set up systems to keep you enslaved. Like slavery was on the ballot like last week. 
which is nuts, but it's the reality, right? So you have to find a way to, uh, if you want to have a conversation with America or with your abusers and then see if there's a, a, a channel of healing and of co, uh, co-creating the world of the, of the future. And I think what he's trying to say is like, I don't have, like you said, Christina, I don't have that answer. I'm just pointing out the conversation and then y'all do where the fuck you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. I choose it myself. So I'm cool. It's up to you as a community to decide. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think like my, the point of, if I am like, if I'm thinking about the point of criticism for Kendrick on this album is like, does he get to do that? He is in a position of immense power. Does he get to bring an abuser on his album, knowing that it will be harmful to like many of his listeners and just be like, not my problem, you know, like that's, and that's not the same thing. I've, I, I think a lot of people will feel with anti-diaries where it's like with anti-diaries, I completely agree that a lot of people, I think, listen to it, heard a word and everything, nothing else about the song mattered. You know, it was just the word. And like, I don't really agree with that way of like engaging with music, whatever. The point being that like, I don't know if we should, I don't know if Kendrick gets to just be like, these are my deepest, darkest thoughts. And then clever his ears and walk away, you know, knowing like, I think, you know, like, and, and again, this isn't the point of criticism, but it's something that I'm grappling with where it's like, should we be criti- Should we be criticizing Kendrick? Should we allow artists to like kind of ignore their influence in this way and ignore like the reality of who they are? Because a lot of this album is Kendrick trying to be like, I'm not your savior. I will not be your prophet, you know, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, there is a still really real tangible impact and power that he has. For me, it's just bringing Kodak on is like, how can you how can you ignore you know the impact that that has? Even though I agree that it is a hugely important decision, like because we're having conversations like this, but to look at it from the other side, you know, there's I don't know, it's just such, such a double edged sword. Yeah, and you're and you're right, and I think that he is saying to us, you don't have to support me on this, hmm. right? Like I think I think that's that's part of hmm. it. It's like when you when you are uh, a popular artist um, or a celebrity or or you've been put to a place of of power. It's usually the people who do that, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think, I think Ye said this once, like the people choose you, like you don't choose the people, they choose you. So, so we chose Kendrick, right? And then he just said, okay, well, I'm going to keep doing my art. And we kept choosing Kendrick. And I think on this record, he's kind of saying like, hey, y'all don't have to choose me. I- I'm going to choose myself. Mm. You, you don't actually have to choose me at all. Because I'm not that savior. So so you can decide because of my decision to put Kodak on to say, fuck you. Like that's a slap to all of his victims. We don't want to engage in, in that way. And he's saying that's fine to do that. And if you want to continue to uh, interact with my art, that's great too. But know that when we're interacting, there's going to be, I'm not going to tap dance around the conversations anymore. I'm actually going to expose these conversations. And again, it's not going to be easy listening. But if you choose to be along for that ride, you might get something of value out of it. The thing he said, like in a recent interview, is like I could have cut corners and my, worded my words a certain way. I had to be in the rawest, truest form for it to be freeing for me. I had to reap whatever consequences came behind it and show empathy if they were hurt by it. So, like he's so mm-hmm. she's so some understanding of just like mm-hmm. I don't think I think for a few months there's no you know like there's kind of like a, he just like put the art out and go like, here deal with this and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. But again, it's like it's 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 hard. It's like it's exposure. It's it's um. Did y'all watch the Dave Chappelle monologue from last night? This no, and no, not yet. No. 
So, so I, I watched it and at one point he, uh, it's very good. Like it's really, really, really good. And at one point he talks about Trump and he's like, people still don't get why Trump won. And he basically kind of said that the reason why Trump won is because he was an honest liar. Like he actually told you that he was doing fucked up shit. And he said, the reason why is because the system allows me to do fucked up shit. And everybody else was kind of like, what do you mean? No, that's not the case. When we all know that the system is actually literally rigged. And, and so he was the one that was uh, able to, to, to expose that and Mm. to be kind of accountable to it. Now, he also is the one that abuses it the most. So whatever. But that idea of being able, able to say, hey, this is actually what's happening. And I think Kendrick is kind of saying in this record, these are things that are happening. Like, it's not like these are make-believe stories. Like, like abuse happens, trauma happens, uh, cheating happens, uh, glorifying, glorification of individuals happen. Unless you have the time to kind of critically think about everything you're just being in a reactive state like mm-hmm. social media nowadays is just reactions 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 who can speak the quickest and the loudest it's not really sitting absorbing listening digestion uvaldi happened this year and we're just like Literally. whatever you know just like the it, like yeah. children yeah. died and we're just kind of like well i don't know i gotta go to work and stuff like it's like like oh no a new thing happened and like it it's so it's too much it's like i don't we're Mm -hmm. not supposed to process information like that's an event that just like that just sits with you the rest of your life that's supposed to be something that just like this is like you just think about every single day every single like it's but it's just Mm -hmm. like I don't know. I'm sorry. Like I, I interrupted your point. <laughs> like no, but but then but then the question is, what do you do? Like, do you is it better for us to not know about Uvalde or any other shooting, or is it actually detrimental to know about every single shooting that happens every single day mm. in America? Because there's a mass shooting. I think it's like four or something every single day. So if not more, mm-hmm. so it's like do, so the the information highway is just rammed, packed. So do you want to be stuck in traffic or do you want to go nowhere? Mm. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, but but that's like something I think that we're grappling with here with, with this Kendrick album is, is do we want to go somewhere knowing that it's going to take us so long or do we just want to be stuck in the same space and then just fuck it, deal with it? Because the thing he's talking about, like the biggest thing, like one of the biggest themes is like, black trauma but also more specifically black celebrity trauma like more specifically like kind of he brings up oprah he brings up tyler perry he brings up you know it he evokes michael jackson and marvin gay and like some of these songs and stuff like that like these people who had immense talent and made beautiful contributions to arts and also were tortured um dealt with unspeakable unbelievable unprocessable trauma (laughs) like and they went mad basically or like they like or they used um you know uh tyler perry and oprah became hyper capitalists and like you know did a lot of good and like you know a lot of rappers and stuff like that like you could just like there's like a laundry list of like rappers who have been abused and stuff like that or just like or even just like the daily racism they experience and stuff like that not even not even if you took that out the idea of like i think when he says what the fuck is cancel culture like he's saying 
why am I so lucky that I'm the good kid and the this other person who went through this horrible thing that they didn't deserve, um, they are ostracized from our, our the community and stuff like that. Like, how? Mm-hmm. why don't we reach out and heal these people? Like, why don't we mm-hmm. reach out and s- stop? Are we actually interested in stopping trauma or are we interested in acting out on trauma and causing more, you know, stuff like that, making our world continually be in disarray. And it's hard. It's a hard conversation. Like I, I, I think the hurt that people feel is real. And like, I don't think we should just pay. I think it's, we use trauma, we use trauma as we either, we completely paper over trauma. We pretend it's not there. um, Or we put too much weight on it. We say like, Oh, well, this person went through trauma, so it's, like, fine that they did this horrible thing. It's fine. You know, it's mm-hmm. – we either, like – yeah, it's 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 a sick culture we live in. And, like, I think I, I applaud this guy for trying to come up with a cure. Whether it's right or wrong, it's – that's a whole different discussion. But, like, yeah. it's hard. I think that's the problem with, like – that's the question that you brought up suddenly of, like, do we just not hear about – Uvalde anymore like do not hear about mass shootings I think for me that's a problem with equating culture and community where it's like again community is supposed to be this intimate thing like everyone knows everyone and that is what allows us to build and heal and we live in a world where like our community is expanded to a culture level so now Mm. I don't know you and that's why like I think that's what happens like on places with Twitter where it's like that's why anonymity is so dangerous in online spaces because I don't know you we are in the same culture, but there is a wall between us that allows me to like spew nasty racist shit to you or get into Twitter arguments instead of actually having, you know, even on Twitter, like a Twitter argument is the dumbest shit in the world. You have 240 characters to like, you have a, like a meaningful conversation with someone that is not how humans are built. That's not yeah. how communities are built, you know? And like, I think that's another thing that Kendra grapples a lot with on this album is like, I am this savior. I'm this prophet to millions of people that I will never meet in my life. And like, how can I, how can I actually, and here's, here's Kodak black next to me. Like here is someone who I can have community with. And I think like, I don't know, like it's such a big theme of like that, those two layers of yes, culture is community, but should it be, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think the two things that's, this is very good. Uh, <laughs> <is> very good. <laughs> so uh, one, I think the, the simplification of Kendrick's statement, uh, what the fuck is cancel culture dog? What the fuck is cancel culture for real? Like what, what are we getting canceled from when people say you're canceled? You don't re- you're not really getting canceled from culture. You might be getting canceled from a record deal from a profitable moment from a conversation, but there is no thing as cancellation from culture because, mm. because culture is interwoven into community. And I think what happens now is to your point, Christina is, is that people bring in their community, like small C into a larger community. And, and then that creates a false sense of culture. So mm. someone goes onto Twitter mm. and will say like, like some racist shit because in their small C community, that racist shit is okay. Like it's been accepted. It's been kind of built into it. And so they feel a certain safety net because they know I can just say that shit and nothing's going to happen in my real community or in this fake one. And then, but then everyone's bringing this in. So 
it just feels like no one's actually combined together. But I, I remember 9-11 and I remember what happened after 9-11. There was, uh, and I'm not American, I'm, I'm in Canada, but there, it, there seemed to be a real pride of being American because it wasn't just uh, the police killing black you know, the boys and, and girl, men and women, it was an outsider killing mm. our men and women mm. and then our police coming to defend us. So all of a sudden that trauma, and that's where trauma can be somewhat helpful because right away you feel connected to that person because of the shared trauma. It's hard to feel a shared joy because joy is so personal, right? Like when I fall in love with someone, it's like, I am falling in love with that person. I can't describe to you what that feels like, but we all know what it feels like to have your heart broken, right? So so it's easier to gather in trauma than it is to gather in joy. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's why we use trauma a lot to build our communities and we hold on to that trauma because it gives you a sense of belonging. But can we create a new version of community that is without trauma? And is that cultural? It, it, we're united, like, because you could say, like, R. Kelly and Bill Cosby or whoever can say, like, I grieve different. That's why I did the horrible things I did, you know? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. and like he's saying, everyone grieves different. Everyone is united in this grief. In, the trauma we've experienced and the 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 pain we cause others so again it's the sickness of our culture it's a sickness of this trauma economy we live in and stuff like that it's again it's it's very serious so any other themes <laughs> any other themes like we could go all day and stuff like that this is this is fantastic like we barely scratched the surface truly but like any other like things we should bring up uh thematically before we get into like songs and stuff uh he's still the goat <laughs> he's still- like <laughs> like when it comes to actually rapping like he's still the goat and he still has ego right you know when what do you say when kanye got back with drake i was slightly confused um yeah i guess i still have some healing to do like he's still like yo and my at my show i went to go see the the concert in toronto and drake was there and we were all kind of like so is drake there because they're good now or is drake there to kind of be like no you're in my city and and still have that kind of that beautiful that beef yeah that that hip-hop kind of um wrestling style beef you know that's not really beef but it's just like amazing entertainment uh, so I'm curious to know where where they're at, those two are at right now. But but yeah, I think that one of the themes is him sh- saying to everybody, and he said it in um, uh, Family Ties, right? Like, uh, I wish you remember this, but there's a line where he's kind of saying, "Hey, all you rappers that you thought in 2021, like y'all were good, nah, like I'm I'm back." Hey everyone, Sean Wilkinson here. Listen, we don't normally run ads on our podcast. You know this about us. We hate most things over here. But one thing we don't hate is Fentress Films. Fentress Films is a woman and queer-owned multimedia company founded by my friend Samantha Bozen. Their mission is to create art about, for, and by underrepresented groups while making theater accessible to people all over the world despite the pandemic. So far, Fentress Films has produced two award-winning short films, two web series, five award-winning screenplays, as well as organized and hosted three international film festivals. Social change is at the core of their work, and they're looking forward to producing more art and collaborating with more artists in the future. If you're interested in learning more about Fentress Films, you can head to their website at FentressFilms.com. That's F-E-N 
T-R-E-S-S-Films.com, or you can follow them on Instagram at Fentress Films to keep up to date with their current projects. They also have a fanzine, they have merch on their website, like stickers, t-shirts, hats, buttons, tote bags, socks, you name it, they've got it. It's all super cute. Check out FentressFilms.com to learn more. What's a highlight for you, Stanley? I think I think again, I think a highlight is is one, the rapping and Baby Keem. Baby Keem's my favorite yes. artist now. And to have Baby Keem uh just just speak on this album uh makes me happy. <laughs> so uh I think Keem So endearing, yeah. Yeah, it, I think Keem is is a highlight. I think again, just Kendrick showcasing his skills. Like like he he can rap really, really, really well. <laughs> and he and he can craft a song really well. And and I, I think that he was a bit more kind of free in his rapping on this um, album compared to the other ones. And so uh, that the musicology behind his his vocals, I think, was a really big highlight for me. It's super like I think we take it for granted how good he is at what he does. Like, I, I think like because it's like it's not as like, you know, refined as Pimp a Butterfly or uh, Damn, like, but it's certainly like. N95 has like 10 different flows in this in three minutes and stuff like that. He like goes nuts and stuff like that. And like the idea of um, and then like again to speak to your baby keen point, I love the idea of these. It's like a stage play, and like the these are the five main characters. You got Kendrick, Whitney, Kodak, um, Baby Keem, and uh you know, uh, Eckhart Tolle and stuff like that. Like the, these, like, you know, it's like a stage play with like five main characters and stuff. Uh, he identifies himself as I identify as like Kodak black too. Like the idea that putting baby Keem, like a guy we all like, and as a sweet boy, but he says something along the lines of my uncle would tell me the shit in the movies could only be magic this year. I did 43 shows and took it all home to buy him a casket. Like the idea Mm -hmm. of just like, and then like in the Kodak song, he says like, I didn't have a father. Like I survived off of like eating tuna packs and stuff like that. And like red cross and like my situation wasn't great. Like, and, but meanwhile, I'm out here trying to fix my generation. I'm trying to be here for my daughter and my son and raise them because I didn't have that. And like, I think that's the pos- the potential positive of including Kodak black of like, there's, there's hope for anyone. There's hope for, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, again, it's like, because i don't know like what i think also you can't save yourself but ultimately you are accountable to yourself like you can't no one no that's a foolish air thing to think twitter is going to hold you accountable because everyone wants a different Mm -hmm. thing you know you have to hold yourself accountable like you have to hold um yeah you you can't hold your you can't do the right thing because everyone expects you to do the right thing you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, you know, like it's it's like the, I don't know, like I don't know how the Kodak Black story will end. But like it's I think there's a push towards something beautiful, but it's still, again, very complicated. Um, I love Mirror. I think that was the absolute best way to end. I mean, there's still the heart part five, but like. Man, the, fir- the first listen through, I don't know what I was on. I, that, that, the first listen through, I was so emotional. And just like, especially in that second, the second half of the album, co- like coming from Mother I Sober and then like kind of the emotional, not low in like a negative, but like the emotional intensity of that coming 
and then ending with mirror and just the ultimate liberation that that song I think gives like, man, I can't think of a better way or message to end this album on. Like I, I think any questions that I had during the album or any thoughts or any uncertainties, so much of it was just answered in mirror, not in like a Kodak or Kendrick. Why do you have Kodak on this album? Not, he didn't answer that question. He said, I choose me. And that is like an answer, you know, that is, is kind of like the, the, the ultimate contextualization of this album. So mirror for me is like, I don't even think it's one of the best production wise tracks or rapping tracks, but like, I think, thematically i think it was exactly where i needed to be and did exactly what i had to do i i really like that you use the word liberation because because i think through our conversation we kind of forgot uh kendrick's kendrick's perspective or kendrick's viewpoint and you're right like for him to kind of share so much and then to end on mirror and saying like i choose me and just kind of letting yeah. it <laughs> Yeah, like it must be for him so liberating to be like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm choosing me. I know there are a lot of things that happened during this album that may have been uncomfortable, challenging, controversial, but this is the choice. Like you said, that's the answer that he's giving us is mm-hmm. all the questions you have. The answer is always going back to choosing thyself. And mm-hmm. so that that is both a highlight and a low light because then it's like, fuck, like, do I choose myself too? And if I don't, am I a good person? Like, do I hate myself now? Like, it just, it causes you to be like, oh, this sucks because he took that decision and mm-hmm. I'm delaying it. Like, I, yeah. every, every one of us, we delayed choosing ourselves so many times. And when you choose yourself, it feels somewhat selfish. Yeah. It's because yeah. I think like the thing that this record does really well is like, I choose me. I'm sorry. He repeats that a billion times. And then the mm-hmm. song, like, um, I can't please everybody. You know, that's, everybody, like, yeah. that he repeat, like, it's like kind of, um, you, you know, like the mirror affirmations and stuff like that. You say I am worthy in a mirror like a hundred mm-hmm. times. And then it like disrupts your continuous thoughts. So that if you say like, I'm a piece of shit, I'm a piece of shit. I am worthy. I am worthy. I am worthy. It kind of like just stops a disruptive, destructive thought. And so like, it's kind of him practicing this therapy thing. I'm just like, and putting it into a song so that we yeah. can say like, ah, choose. Cause like, we just like, maybe yeah. even if you don't like agree with it, it, you just like, you could sing it and like, it kind of subconsciously, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of a song, you know, <laughs> like that idea. I love the, I, I love the line. I realized true love's not saving spit saving face but unconditional like unconditional loves like lauren hill pointed us out like we don't even know it we don't even understand what that would be like because so much of our love is conditional um and then i trust you'll find independence if not all is forgiven the idea of i'm i i think i broke my generational curse i think i'm healing myself but um for those who can't, for those who it's, it's too much, like, or for those who fall, like, you're, you're forgive, like, and that's the beauty of like, you know, mm-hmm. some of the Christian ideology and stuff like that of just like, we all fall short of the glory of God. Um, the tragedy of this, this album feels very much in conversation with Donda, that album of like, that album is like an attempt of trying to heal himself and stuff like that, but he ultimately falls. So like, there's the tragedy of that record, but like, um, but it's also like, there's an element of like, could you even blame him? Like, could he even, 
yes, he made choices and stuff like that, but he had to like, he has to like overcome so much to become a good person. Like, could you even transcend your situation? Can you even transcend your trauma or your history and stuff like that? It's, we have to give people grace, maybe, you know, <laughs> like it's hard. Mm-hmm. I think really quickly, that was, I think that's why another highlight for me is Mother I Sober. Like, again, emotional first listen, no idea what was going on in my life that <laughs> made me so emotional, but like literal tears when he said, I set all the abusers free. Like, I, that was a line for me that like, it took so, it takes so much balls to say that. That is not something that I would ever, like, I went to like a very SJW college, like, a lot of like, kind of gatekeeping and censoring of kind of like, what's the right thing to say? Like I couldn't, in those circles, I could never say like, guys, maybe we should set the abusers free. You know, like that is not like a rhetoric that, but I think that's exactly what you're saying, Andrew, is that like, I think mother I sober is asking that question. Can we blame people for falling into the same patterns when their fathers and their father's fathers? I think there's, I think it's in that line where he says they, they raped our mothers and they made us watch and then they made us rape each other. Like that is like, the sum of of the generational trauma that so many people in the black community experience and the answer when you know we ask that question can people escape that trauma even is liberation is like kendrick being like the abusers also need to be set free as much as the abuse like the abused need to be set free from their trauma and the abusers because, because ultimately it all comes from they the were place. abused too you know yeah <laughs> yeah it sucks. Yeah. Sorry, suddenly go for it. <laughs> no, this is this is yeah. I I I I wasn't even thinking about that, but that's exactly what you just said is exactly it, right? Like it's like um uh wasn't in a dark night where the Joker said, you know, hey, you need me to Batman, you need me, and I need you. So it's like the Joker will never kill Batman because he needs a Batman, and then Batman will never kill Joker because he actually needs a Joker to justify his presence, mm-hmm. and. And so that that relationship with your abuser is is so man it's it's tough on an individual level it'd be really really tough and as a collective it is very very challenging because you kind of need that person to remain as the abuser in that role mm-hmm. to then be able to say yeah that trauma is real and it's still happening to this day because that abuser is right there and the second you delete that abuser then you're forced to delete that trauma and in 2022 I've been on a big identity kick. Like I think everything comes down to identity and money and, and, and that, that identity, like, you know, K- Kendrick was identified as a savior. Kendrick was counted out. Like my favorite song on, on the album is count me out uh, because, and I played out for my therapist. Well, I didn't play for my therapist. So I told my therapist, listen to it. That's me. And <laughs> and she's like, cool. That'll be 155 bucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> she's like, that's our time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's our time. And click. I was like, what? We're on a podcast? <laughs> um, but but counting out people too, right? And we love doing that. We love counting people out. And we love to be counted out because it gives you the arc, mm-hmm. right? It gives you the hero's journey, the ability to come back from whatever you're falling, falling um, under is the most beautiful part of the human experience. But you have to fall to be able to come back from something. So you have to do... A Kodak Black cannot be redeemed unless he does something that is deemed unredeemable. Yeah. And so yeah. Kendrick is saying, like, in some ways, Kendrick is still being a savior by putting Kodak right there. He's just saying, like, I'm not going to be the savior, but I want us to save us and ourselves. And here's an example of a guy who you may not think should be saved, but we're going to save him. So. 
so yeah, yeah, I, I really love identity is just a, a big, big part of Kendrick's whole discography, but especially this album. And I think that's like a, a a a conversation that's had a lot about black communities in the United States is like, and again, going back to that 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 soundbite of being like when you build your entire identity off of being a victim, it's like you're saying, it's like when you remove the person making you a victim, who are you? Who are you? Who, what's left? And like, and I think the bigger conversation in, in the United States is like, you can't remove America. You can't remove the abuser. Like you are constantly in contact with the abuser. So it is on you to remove, you have to like remove your abused identity if you can't remove the abuser. And that's, it's, I think it's what Kendrick is trying to do on this album, but for so many people, that's an impossible task. It's like, if your mother and your mother's mother and your and your mother's mother's if these are all people who are victims of like rape or or abuse, that is literally that's what generational trauma is. That is ingrained in your blood bloodline. And now you just want me to to not to not have that anymore. It's like it go, and it goes and it goes back to what we were talking about with community and culture, because the the idea of having a community and what happened well a lot of things happened but and I don't I don't know it because I wasn't I wasn't there uh, uh in 400 years ago um I am not 400 years old but you look great <laughs> yeah, say. thank you thank you um but what what happened was the the uh quote unquote African Americans were taken from their communities and were then displaced and so once they were taken from their communities and then been lab- and then labeled in this new place as well slave but as black then what happened was in order to rebuild community you just use that label as your mm. your most as your identifier yeah identifier right mm-hmm. and then that allows you to build culture and so in some ways through that trauma uh black america has now created the culture of all cultures that dominates everything cultural mm. and then they are also looking to build community through that identifier, but identifier is hooked, is labeled or is associated to the beginnings of their American experience, which was literally dripped in, unfortunately, blood, sweat mm-hmm. and tears, right? Like there's the, like, that's what happened. And so, and so if you decide to let go of that identifier, you instantly lose community you then lose culture and you're forced to restart. And that's a lot to ask the community to do in a foreign place. I mean, Christina, like you're going, you went through it yourself, right? Like you said, like moving from America and then going to Europe and how that wasn't as romantic as you may have thought going into that experience, right? Because you had to yeah. restart. That's tough. You know, last night, no, it was two nights ago. Uh, we were all hanging out at a friend's dorm and there's this kid from Algeria and we were connecting because he knew a lot of like black artists. Like he knew, I was like, you don't know Smino, do you? He's like, yeah, I know Smino. And we're like, oh man. And there's a group of us. And he asked me, he's like, yo, yo. So like, I need to ask you, can I say the N word? I'm Algerian. I'm African. Can I say the N word? And I was like, like the, and the amount of times I've had that conversation in Europe, because it's mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying suddenly it's like, and I was trying to explain to him, like, I know you're African, but like you are missing a fundamental lived experience. Like, and trying to have those conversations is so difficult for people who are not aware of that when it's like, and it's exactly what you're saying. The, 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 the culture is built on this shared identity of trauma. And like, that is the most common denominator. And like, and yeah, moving to Europe and having to 
really explain that is impossible because it is like it is it is just something that you have to live and experience and oh man <laughs> that was a terrible conversation yeah. I was just like <laughs> yeah the n-word is so hard because because it, you're, you're exactly right what you said it, it is a culture and it's a lived experience but uh from a superficial perspective once you are labeled black you can use it mm-hmm. no matter what your lived experience actually was you mm-hmm. could have had a very quote unquote white experience outside of quote unquote black culture. But if you have a drop of black, you get to say it. And and it's and it's just so wild because I I I wonder if kind of like what Kendrick is saying on the album, like, yeah, you could say the N-word if you then have to take on all the trauma, the lived experience, the reality of a system that's built against you. You got to take all of that on. And if you say yes to that, then sure, you can go ahead and still drop that N-word as much as you like. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, like most people, if not all people would say, nah, I'm good. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, it's, a, it's such a weird thing. Like, and again, that like the 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 word that was used on uh, Aunt Diaries, like growing up, we used that word in that, mm-hmm. that same kind of context that Kedra was talking about. We used it and now... I can't imagine a scenario where I want to be like, oh, well, can I use the the F word? Yeah. Why would, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because why? Like, my, why? My, my cousin is gay. Can I use it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Like, why would I ever in any type yeah. of sane state be like, no, I really need to say this word. Can I please use it? Because my cousin's gay. Like, it's just so dumb when you think of it from that perspective. And Black culture has been the most commodified, you know, product in American history. And so when you hear tracks where it's like, you know, you know, Jigga, what's my motherfucking name? Jigga, and who I'm rolling with. Like, who am I rolling with? And then if you say that, it means I'm part of that community that you're rolling with. And I bought the album, and so I'm able to say because I'm part of that. I'm, that transaction happened. But it's not all good, right? It's not, you can't just say it because even if you purchased it, you didn't purchase the complete experience. You know, and so that's where it's like, I think that's where there's that conflict where that particular word, and again, like that 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 white girl who said the word on stage, I don't think she had any ill intentions towards saying it. She's just like, yo, I'm rapping your lines word for word, bar for bar, and that comes out. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's it's kind of shitty for that person too. That's exactly what this dude said to me last night, where she's like, I'm just using it in a song, like I would never use it to like against anyone, you know what I'm saying? And like and and I, and I think what's interesting about like the word used in anti-diaries and the n-word is like for so many people in the queer community there is something there is a common denominator like a common denominator that isn't trauma you know like the common denominator is like we are queer and that is not a tangible thing but there is like something other than just trauma and it's like you're saying suddenly it's like if you are one drop black if you are you know then 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 that's then like that's the the common denominator but it's not really that it, it's the shared trauma you know it's this mm-hmm. assumption that like if you're using the n-word then you've experienced the shared trauma and the only way to qualify that in like an instant is by how you look it's by like it's by these like arbitrary labels that are race you know mm-hmm. and like but that's yeah i think that's why auntie diaries is an important track because it kind of asks this question that has really important implications for how we move forward with Things like generational trauma, systemic racism, systemic trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And humanity. How do we move forward as human beings? 
because that's that's where I, every time I have conversations with like my brother and stuff and we talk about I mean life in general but 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 I always think about um ancestry.com not always but sometimes I think about <laughs> I just constantly all, on your mind <laughs> all day I think about ancestry.com <laughs> it haunts me <laughs> I'm gonna go on it right now and be like no don't do it don't do it but but what, what I find interesting is is knowing your lineage but at what point do you stop the lineage tree mm-hmm. and why is there a stopping point right because mm. ultimately we all come from the same place as a as a human species we we all have the same origin story mm-hmm. and but yet there are markers in that story where we then say all right now this is actually my story right like at this point i am this or i am that but we're we're all just the same people yeah. And so if we could just find a way to start there, to start at the beginning, I think we can then build a more kind of inclusive, equitable, diverse, all the keywords that we use that work nowadays, <laughs> um, world, right? But, but truthfully, that's what it is. And I think people like Kendrick are, they realize that. That's like, yo, like we have a, a similar beginning, so we can start there. But if you don't want to start there, then I'm going to start where my story starts. Mm. And then I'm going to do my own thing and create my own kind of uh, version of a happy ending. And then it's up to you to either start together or start apart. But you get to decide that, you know. The last thing I'll say about Mother I so- like uh, uh, this is such a great song. It made me cry, too. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of him identifying with his guilt of something that he shouldn't have gone through in the first place. So the idea of like he had the choice of shooting this person who was abusing his mom and stuff like that. And um, he felt like his mother's mother's ghost is haunting him in disapproval. Like you should have done this. And then um, he can't even look in his mother's eyes. Like, um, and then later he looks into Whitney's eyes and lies about his addictions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then um by the end of the song he lets it like um he says like i pray our children don't inherit me that's like the most heartbreaking Mm -hmm. line i've ever heard in a song like ever just like um again like now that he has children like the stakes are so much higher now like the Mm -hmm. stakes are like it's not like if i like i don't know like if if like Kodak Black died tomorrow, like he unalived himself or he got shot or something like that. Like the the problem still is there. You know, the trauma still is the, it's not like a solution, you know, which is why I get like the anti-cancel culture thing. It's just like, you know, by removing the person that you're not you have to actually treat the problem and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, so like by the but like by the end of the song he's like by processing it and by understanding how hurt he is and then choosing to let it go um but i think like the the difficult thing is like you have to let it go every single day you have to let it every mm-hmm. let it go every single day every single moment until mm-hmm. you get to a point where Eckhart Tolle says there's nothing to forgive anymore like there's nothing to mm-hmm forgive anymore it's just like becomes you are just a person now you are just like hello my name is kendrick i'm walking around and stuff you know like mm-hmm. it's it's hard it's like 
And like, um, which is why at the end where like the kid says like, thank you for solving generational trauma for all of us. You know, like I, <laughs> he didn't say, the kid didn't say that, but like, <laughs> like, uh, you should have. Some of was done. Yeah. It's almost like funny because it's like, you did <laughs> like, he is like, kind of like this, like, it's like, it's beautiful. It's hopeful, but it's like, there's so much left. There's so much to do. Like there's so much presence you have to, to live through to like fully, I bet. You know, why, again, why Donda is like, so like tragic is like, he's at the moment of, at the end of come to life, he's like, I'm free now. I'm free from this pain. And then, the reason he's acting, it's not just mental illness. It's like pain and trauma that mm-hmm. informs his actions of why he acts the way he acts and stuff like that. Um, and like lack of community and lack of like all that stuff. Like it's, it's um, uh, with, with mirror. I bet there are days where he goes back on it a little bit. I bet there'll mm-hmm. be days where he like, fine, I'll like please this person. I'll try and like, you know, help shoulder the community and all that stuff. Like I, the, the sheer act of putting out music is doing that, you know, the sheer act mm-hmm. of like, so it's like, it's, I think, again, it's like, he's being a savior by showing us how it's not that he's a good, great dude and he does, he's perfect and he doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't hurt people. It's that he chooses me, he chooses himself every day. And he continually does it like and Ye's job was to scream and shout and tell you something's wrong. Like Kendrick's job is to like show you how to do it just personally on a personal level, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Life life is a troll because <laughs> we're all we're all going to die. And and like every day you're working your way towards that inevitability. We distract ourselves from it too. Yes. Yes. But then, so then it's like, so we're already going to have this failure at the end. If, if, if you deem like being alive, being the success story, then, then dying is like the failure. Um, But if, if you flip it, if it's like, you know, if you have a realization of the time and that's, I think where he, where Kendrick gets frustrated is like, like, what are we talking about cancel culture for? Like, why are we wasting our time? our valuable time on this earth, trying to cancel people when you can take your time to heal yourself mm-hmm. and through that heal others yeah. in preparation for what's going to be a permanent removal from this mm-hmm. kind of uh, human experience. <laughs> like so, God cancels us at the end of our lives. Yeah, exactly. We all, we all get canceled. So it's like, yeah. And, and I think the, you know, I, I talked about the kids table, the, the cool thing about the kids table is how free kids are at that table. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're, they're not sitting proper. They're not waiting <laughs> for someone. They're just yelling, screaming and stuffing food in your face and running around. But there's a freedom. And and uh, I'm rather sober the way that it ends. There's that freedom. Right. Like you like you mm-hmm. say, like, thank you, daddy. Thank you, mama. Mr. <laughs> Mora. It's just kind of like it's all fun and dandy. And it's a great way to. Uh, remove some of that heaviness that that song creates, right? It's such an emotional um, uh, song. And it's like, it's like the reverse boy cried wolf where he so told the truth a couple of times about, uh, I think it was his uncle um, and no one believed them. And then when Whitney asked him to be honest about his faithfulness, 
he lied. Mm. Right. Like he then mm. decided to make up to tell a lie as opposed to telling the truth, which he did in the past. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is maybe the greatest, maybe the best song on the album. Not my favorite song, but maybe the, the best, best yeah. song on the album. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, let's go let's quickly go through like our, the rest of our high, like just like one highlight each, I guess. Like, um, so, um, yeah, I love Worldwide Steppers and Die Hard next to each other. Um, it, it's, it's like, um, I like the idea of like bringing up the idea of men and men of color and white women being victims and beneficiaries of white patriarchy. The idea that like men of color benefit from patriarchy, white women benefit from their whiteness and stuff like that. And uh, we, you, we use that to hurt each other and also hurt other people. Like, you, you know, like, Again, like white women, like marginalizing like trans people. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing yeah. that? Like, you your life isn't that great either. You know, it's like mm. it's like very serious. And like, um, because he, you, know, he says like he had sex with the police chief's daughter out of retaliation for his uncle, mm. and but like she didn't do anything wrong. Like she didn't do that. He's just like taking out his anger somewhere. Like, you know, it's like that doesn't solve the problem. That doesn't like un take him out of jail necessarily. I love the idea that like this is how we're equalized. This is how we're all equal. Like mm-hmm. we all, even the good people, even the sanctimonious, you know, ch- church and like, you know, politicians and like nonprofits. You're like, even if you don't literally like murder or like, you know, commit sexual atrocities onto someone, you're still contributing to a world Mm -hmm. that makes our, to a world that makes us like unhappy and stuff like that. It's a individual failure, but it's a systemic, systemic failure and a generational curse at the same, all in one. Like it's like a real problem. And then uh, Die Hard is him trying to get out of it. Like he's like the first three songs pointing out culture's bad, culture's bad, culture's bad, culture's bad. Um, cancel culture like what is this Ugh! like he's like really like you know i think like preemptively like defensive about his like you know like well i you know well i have trauma i need to grieve differently like well i can't speak otherwise people will cancel me well i you know like everyone's bad you know like he starts and then die hard is him trying to come out of it like die hard is him going like the 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 more humane side of like that fear of can't <laughs> I, hate, I hate even like bringing it up like that, but like the idea of like the hate of like being judged, the, the fear of being judged and the fear of being like um, misunderstood and stuff like that, but he's going to do it anyways. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, Okay. Like it, let's quickly, any other highlights, just like quickly rattle them off and like make a little point about it. Like we might go a little over like, um, uh, well, for me, it's a it's a kind of a personal one. Um, so, uh, Mr. Morale is a highlight because uh, this summer uh, I went on a family trip with uh, my brothers, um, my parents, and my niece. Um, and my niece, uh, we listened to the album, like the uh, censored version of the album, <laughs> and she just Auntie, loved. Uh, what's it called? Like uh, we cried together. It's like up, yep, dip, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think- I think we just skipped that one. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, but with Mr. Morales, she she would do the beginning part. And then she would go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but then she'd say, again, again. So we would just play that first 30 seconds over and over and over again. So so that's just a personal um, highlight. <laughs> again, it's like more the theme of Black celebrity, like dealing, coping with their tr- trauma and stuff like that. By the way, I, I say, like, I'm speaking on this stuff and with the understanding that I don't fully understand it, like, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. as a means of just saying it's real, like, I'm just here to say, like, it's real. And it's like, if he's telling me that it's real, then I believe it's real. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, can I just quickly, this one of my pet peeves, not pet peeves, one of my ranting topics is, is that because empathy means putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. So yeah. when you're being empathetic, you're you're automatically saying, hey, I don't have the same lived experience, but because of my ability to put myself in your shoes, I can then feel what you are feeling. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like people have that qualifier and say like, oh, well, by the way, I'm not part of that community. So, you know, but but if you're empathetic, then you are part of that community. Like you're yeah. one of us. Just, just don't say the N word. Like <laughs> not quite one of us. But but you're you're part of it, you know, like so yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm fine not saying it. But like, um, I love Mr. Morale in that, like, he by evoking all these celebrities who've been abused. Um, first of all, I like the way he's like the way um the discussion is like people are like, oh, he's like saying R. Kelly's okay or whatever, you know. He's he's not saying that, he's just saying, like, I wonder if mm-hmm. the situation was different, would his life be different? Just, mm-hmm. I wonder, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I wonder if, like, you know, like, no one should be molested at the age of 11. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's like, and then, like, Tyler, I didn't know Tyler Perry, Perry was a victim of, you know, uh, sexual assault as a kid. I didn't know. And then, like, and then people are like, why are, why is his, why are his gender politics and his sexual politics so weird and fucked up? And then it's like, well, because of what he went through, you know, because what he went through was yeah. fucked up. And like uh the idea that like R. Kelly and Oprah were both sexually abused as children. One ended up committing horrible sex crimes. One ended up building an empire to help heal black people, black women, like just women in general. Um, you know, in a compassionate manner. Well, still like, you know, this is capitalist or whatever, like whatever. But um, but the thing that they have in common is that shouldn't have happened to them in the first place. That should not mm. have happened to them. That's the real problem. <laughs> that's the real problem. Like, mm-hmm. and like that goes like, and that's the debate like Eckhart Tolle is like bringing up is like, they're unconscious. They don't even know. Like, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. <laughs> like, they don't even know mm-hmm. the depths of like, so, and like, again, the solution is awareness and presence and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I hope that even after everything Ye did, I hope that there's a world where he can just like be present and just like move forward and be a good dad and do good things or whatever, you know? Like mm-hmm. I hope that's the world we can live in, you know, but it doesn't seem it, it doesn't seem likely. So what that's a just a different discussion. So like um uh Christina, what's a highlight? Like what's the yeah, what's another one you like? I uh in between saying Rich Spirit because I just love that song. Mm-hmm. I think it's like maybe thematically the le- the least intense, like, but I just love the track. And 
okay, we cry together makes me so uncomfortable. I like, if I'm listening to it by myself, I skip it. Like, I don't, you know, but like Taylor Page's performance on that track is (laughs) unbelievably good. And I think that like that track needed to exist and it just would not have been successful without her. And I think, so maybe not the track itself, but her performance on that track is just like, she killed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I, like, Mm -hmm. I love Rich. I don't like Rich Spirit that much. Like personally, I think it's like, um what it's a little like <laughs> I, actually i think it's fine it's good <laughs> like, you, you are about, not one of us yeah, yeah, exactly. no. yeah. You, you just got canceled andrew <laughs> like okay so like the idea of rich spirit he finally goes to therapy um after father time he like like he's like hey man i don't go to social media anymore like the world's like hey i'm pretty cool and then like we cry together it's just like like Oh, I'm capable of like doing this too. Like, just mm-hmm. like the idea of like a relapse, uh, like a therapy relapse, almost like the idea, like you know, you you're still practicing mindfulness. You're still practicing ways to uh, untether yourself from triggers. But if you're with someone you love like this, who knows you, th- this is also what you can do to each other. You know, I think it's really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and we're and we're still in bed with each other, right? Like America, yeah. Black America, and corporate America is still in bed with each other. So as much as we're yelling and screaming all the time, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's still, it's still go time. So, <laughs> so it's it's a great, it's an amazing song. First time I listened to the album, I was at the gym, and and that song was I felt like <laughs> even though I had I hated it, on, it was so bad. I didn't like it the first I, time. Yeah. Well, I just I just felt like other people were hearing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're kind of like, you, you know, so I'm, I'm like, oh, sh- they turned this down. Like, like <laughs> you like look at so, someone like, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, nothing, nothing at all. You know, so yeah. But that's it was, its success. It's like it creates something so intimate and personal, and like you are spectating. You feel like you just shouldn't be there, you know, and mm-hmm. it forces you to confront this like very intimate, this like very intimate and personal conversation. Yes. Yeah. And, and like. I think like that's the potential benefit of um, auntie diaries. The potential benefit is just like, because we're so numb all the time. We're so like doped out and numb and like, um, you know, we, we use comfort and capitalism and consumerism to cope that when we hear something, this like shocking, you know, it like kind of like, it could wake us out up out of it a little bit. Um, but like, cause it hurts, it hurts. And like, I, when I first heard it, I was like, this sucks. Like this, like well, he's doing this now he's transphobic now. <laughs> like, you know, like, like he's like, that sucks. And like, but then like when I read the lyrics and when, when I understood what he was trying to do, I was like, Oh, this is actually really interesting. It's really beautiful. I still think there are flaws. Like the idea that it's like 30 years condensed into three minutes. Of course, it's going to be jarring like and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like walking through the process of how a person changes their mind is beautiful. Like, Mm -hmm. but again, like if someone's trauma that re-traumatizes someone, that's also, you have to take accountability for that, like personally, and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know and that's where where like what i just said about empathy where i'm uh it's contradictory because because i when i when i heard the song for the first time i immediately just thought about my experience using that word and i was like yes that's exactly it and all my friends who used it with me none of us would use it today mm-hmm. so so i was kind of like yes like awesome kendrick is sharing 
what what we experience, but we mm. also are in part of that community. And so, so for me, it was like a hey, yeah, that makes sense to me. But for someone who may be part of that community, it could be very retriggering. Uh, it's an abusive. It's unnecessary. It's wrong. Like it's just so. So while I am an empathetic person, in that first listen, I didn't really think about the people who may be directly impacted by the repeated usage of that word. I just thought about my own experience. It was like, yeah, Kendrick, I get you. It, the the um, it reminds me of like the like this is a like way like less intense example, but I, I don't know. It depends on like who you are and stuff like that. But like the the Taylor Swift thing about like she's in the video, she steps on the scale and it says like fat stuff like that. Fat, you know, yeah. oh, like yeah. the idea yeah. of like the, the people are like, why is fat the worst thing you could be and stuff like that? You know, like why is that mm. the worst? Like you know, like the that's the perspective. Like that's that's a harmful perspective. Um, but if she didn't express it in the first place, if she was like so careful about just like trying to, you know, that prison of just like inexpression, like par- the paralysis is like saying the right thing all the time. Like, yay, said something along the lines, like, when's the time you had the most anxiety on like on test day? Like, and if you're tested every single day of your life, then your life becomes this prison mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So the idea of like, he had to just like, maybe i don't know i I still think he could have like but i think it's such a foolish thing to say he should have done this or he should have like he could have said this way like i guess now he can but like it already has been said in the first now we're having the discussion Mm -hmm. you know months later stuff like that Mm -hmm. so i don't know i may it's it's the um it's the thing about having the conversation in the first place you know it's like you know Mm -hmm. this is the this is the jumping off point for a discussion so i don't know that could be mm-hmm. cons- that could be constructive but destructive and could be setting us back i think that's the worry a lot of people have is just like when this artist says when this artist this big says something like this it sets the culture back it sets like you know us back and stuff like that but maybe it it could push us forward but i don't know <laughs> like yeah i think like that and that's the question that like i think there needs to be a conversation about his use of that word in Auntie Diaries. My biggest problem was the amount of people on my timeline that were like, your favorite rapper is transphobic. Your favorite rapper is homophobic. Like the immediate labeling. It's kind of like what we talked about in the beginning. It's like, hear the trick, like hear the keyword, like formulaic reaction, you know, use that word. You're, you're homophobic. Use the N word. You're racist. Like, and I think that's a very typical like formula of our current state is like, if this, then that, if X, then Y, if this word, then homophobic, racist, whatever. Yeah. And, it, and it's comfortable to, to spew those identities onto other people. You know, mm-hmm. I think like what I try to do is say, Hey, those words were transphobic. Those, those thoughts were transphobic or like mm. this, like usage was inappropriate instead of late, like say, cause like, um, I have like relatives who are Trump supporters and like, you know, and stuff like that, who before I knew that about them, I thought of them as very noble people. I thought of them as like, you know, kind, they were very kind and sweet and good to me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then now that they now that they have, you know, this label on them, I kind of think of them as bad people um, mm-hmm. where on yeah, absolutely. On some level, like that's unacceptable. The the why would you like you know all all that stuff? But 
it's flattens a person basically into like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. art jk rowling's a transphobe or something like that like and like maybe that's appropriate maybe that's like you know, maybe that's how we need to like treat the treat these things as that serious at the same time you know because mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. very serious you know yeah and if and if you're again if you're looking at it from a transactional perspective yeah like if if someone says a word that you don't like and you're like, all right, moving forward, I'm not going to support their their product or their art. That's your right. Then that's totally that's totally fine. I think what mm-hmm. happens is that uh, too many people are, are lazy when it comes to getting to know people. Mm-hmm. And so, if you just use one thing to uh, create your perception of that individual, that you know nothing about that person. And so, in a second, you add a second thing, then it creates a more complex, textured experience. So if you say that one person is because they use that word that they're, you know, transphobic, for example, and you know nothing else about that person, well, then you don't really know that person. And if you know something else about that person, then you might be like, well, like you said, Andrew, that word is transphobic. Uh, I also know that this person has maybe donated to certain causes or perhaps Mm -hmm. they interact with certain people in a more constructive constructive way. But I think that's where, uh, you know, when we talked about R. Kelly's history and and you using that to frame our dissection of R. Kelly's actions, uh, it's it's what we don't do really well as a collective is actually use uh, events, moments, thoughts uh, to frame conversations and not mm. to drive the conversation, mm. right? So, so that and that's where cancel culture comes in. It's like we use an event to drive the conversation, and the conversation is let's remove that person, as opposed to being like, well, if that person did something really bad. Can we find out the context behind that action to then reframe the conversation around said person and around said action, and find a solution to the action itself, and find a way to rehabilitate or heal that person, right? Uh, but we send people, well, we. Uh, governments send people to jail all the time, and we we as a as a community as a culture send people to culture jail all the time, mm-hmm. and both systems are flawed because jail doesn't do anything to rehabilitate if you don't have a rehabilitation center attached to it, and cancellation doesn't do anything unless you actually welcome them back and help mm-hmm. them to mm-hmm. heal from whatever the whatever pain they caused and whatever pain they were you know victims of themselves because so because it's all about money. Like Chris D'Elia can go like can go away and come back because he needs money, you know, and like the idea of like um, um, so Chris D'Elia has his income streams removed at first when he first got like revealed, like outed and stuff like that. And then, you know, he took some time and then uh, we didn't no one like, you know, like we just like justifiably like shut him out of society and then he comes back mm. on tour because he needs money <laughs> because he like did lost his income streams and then we're like hey this guy's back what the hell you know like it's like it's like we value money like it's like this like as if it's accountability like that's how mm. we keep people accountable like that's like but that's like just what just like money can't solve your grief you know, Kendrick lays it out multiple hundreds of times on this album. Like, you know, I b- bought Infinity Pools, like didn't swim in. Like, I like just as it doesn't solve your, you know, your grief, it also doesn't keep you accountable either. Like, because like, and now, and then we just like made more suffering. Like, ah, oh, great. Now we're, people are re-triggered. Ah, oh, great. Now, like, you know, 
um this guy didn't learn anything and now he's back on tour and stuff like that we didn't solve like the idea that like with like uh removing trump off of twitter like and like the idea like he built his own social network and then like for like three four years we're like oh it's all good now we're we're, now we don't have to deal with that now we don't have to like worry about that anymore but like we didn't deal with it we just like swept it under the rug basically Mm -hmm. with money you know like let's go through lowlights like um let's go through lowlights uh christina what's your I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess we what's your little like. <laughs> you, no, oh, like I'm sorry. You wanted I, us to go first, right? Yeah. Like. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Now we're here. I'm ready. I'm mentalized. I struggle with, I think every track on this album is important. Like, I think they're like, every track is like part of the greater context and is important in building that context. So, for example, Father Time, I think, wasn't my favorite thematically because I think it was the least the least revelationary thing that Kendrick was saying, like a lot of rappers talk about the, like, like the, the issue of not having fathers in the black community, everyone, too many people are talking about like people who shouldn't be talking about fathers in the black community are talking about fathers in the black community, which is why it kind of like, when I came up, I was like, okay, like another song about fathers in the black community, but I think it's important to the context of the whole album. Because again, for me, the first half of the album is kind of that state of the art. It's, it's Kendrick being like, this is where culture is at right now. And it's an important contextualization for later on. Um, so that's my context for like my low lights. But I think a song that I just didn't care for very much was Purple Hearts. I think sure, it, yeah. like production wise wasn't my favorite. Also, I the message, I think it pissed me off because I think the message was so important. But then there was like, I didn't like how it was delivered. I wasn't crazy about Summer Walker's Earth or Summer, Summer Walker's verse. I think she says a line about like, it ain't love if you ain't eating my ass, which is like, like <laughs> sure. But like, maybe there's a oh. bigger like, <laughs> you know, like here's a little like, <laughs> you know, like um, maybe there's a bigger message that is getting kind of drowned here. Well, it's like Professor Sky's point. Like I watched his video, like a uh, friend of the show, past and future guest, like the idea of um, he, he talks about like, it's more like, yes physically like if you don't go down your lady or whatever it's like that's like probably inconsiderate and stuff like that but the idea like you're being selfish or whatever but the idea of emotionally like you gotta emotionally emotionally eating ass yeah like that, but the idea of like really like um accepting someone as who they are and stuff like that and, you know and like, yeah, kinda, yeah. like that is kind of interesting um like i said just like the who are these guys you know like who yeah, are these characters yeah. like you know like <laughs> i mean i mean ghostface is a legend i i loved i i, I really love the ghostface verse it's so good um it is it's a very slow song it's kind of like it's the end of the act quote unquote like i think of it as a mm. musical and like this is like the like usually like the act one finale is like this big grandiose oh what will happen oh! mm. and then just this kind of like uh, like it's like yeah yeah i thought we cry together was the end of the first disc and then i had to look at it and realize it was purple hearts mm-hmm. and i was like i like <laughs> it also read as false because of the toxicity at the end of we cry together they tap dance around the issue they don't actually address it mm-hmm. so then to sp- do a song about how love is so great is like feels a little, felt a little false a little bit yeah, yeah. i think that's true yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's my low light too, Purple Hearts. Like, I think where it's placed too, because we cry together is such a <laughs> an explosion of so many different <laughs> things. And then Count Me Out is my favorite song. So I find myself just being like, okay, I'm gonna listen to We Cry Together and it's gonna be a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to skip Rebel Hearts to get to my favorite song. <laughs> Just get to the, yeah. Call Me Out is so good, yeah. So, so yeah, Purple Hearts for me is a low light. And I, I use low very lightly yeah, yeah. because it's, it's still a great, great. I think it's a great song, but yeah, it's it's my low light too. What do you like about Call Me Out? I don't think we talked about it. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just, uh, I think that when I was listening to it, I was in a place where I felt very vulnerable and confused from an identity perspective because it's like i feel great sometimes but i feel like shit sometimes and i hold on to guilt but i'm removing it in in my daily life and like just that constant um tug of war uh I, i'm pretty sure i cried the first time i listened to it um and and i think that's what i love about it it's like it's it's my kind of music i like music that forces me to think about my identity and and allows me to feel safe because here's Kendrick fucking Lamar, right? Who's a, and he's saying he's a complex soul. And I love complex. I love, I love sim- simplicity, but I recognize that I am also very complicated and complex. And so, so I think that that duality is what I love about, about Kendrick, but especially that song. Mm-hmm. Mm. Kind of like rich spirit isn't as deep as I would like it to be. Like, it's like, mm. I think it, it's, leave it's, it alone. It's, Leave it's, it's so catchy. Alone. It's so catchy. It's like it's so catchy. It's so good. Yeah. But yeah, but do it to you do a song. I like the I love like the uh, the frat brother. Yeah, oh, it's so good. That brother, like it's so yeah. Yes, so not, like the hard R at the end of brother. I think yes. is so. It's such a subtle, but like yes. <laughs> I don't know how he comes up with all these flows and stuff like that. Like we we were talking about Beyonce, how she has like. 10 flows in one song and like he does the same thing too like mm-hmm. um i like the line like i pray to god I actually pray when someone dies thoughts and pray, pray is mm-hmm. way better off timelines the, the theme of performance like the theme of like mm-hmm. just like performing authenticity instead of just being authentic um mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a big thing we didn't touch on it's just like yeah it's like it's constantly all over and like he started with damn like everyone's fake everyone's mm-hmm. like you know like does they, people don't actually care aren't i i love and i love it in savior just like these like i rub elbows with people who are for the people they're all greedy and like suck my dick with authenticity <laughs> so funny like yeah uh uh yeah any straight observations any things we haven't talked about like that would be um worthy of discussion well when what you just said about about um performative and mm-hmm. authenticity because you're right. That is such a massive theme of this album. And it's the state of the world now, right? Like, on the one hand, we don't want to be honest. We don't want to have real conversations. So we tap dance everywhere. But on the other hand, we want to be seen 24-7, 365. And so we just deliver content, content, content. And I know I, I struggle with that. Like, Whenever I post on Instagram, I'm like, man, I'm just posting because I want people to see that I'm doing cool shit. It, you know, I rarely post like, man, I'm feeling kind of depressed today. Glad I have a therapy session on Tuesday. Like, mm-hmm. like that never happens. I never post that. And I I commend those who do. Um, so I think that authenticity is a big part of the of the conversation on this album. Mm. And I think that authenticity is like a part of why Auntie Diaries feels so important to me, where it's like. So again, coming from my university experience, which was like a very white school, the thing I fucking hated was like trying to have an important conversation with someone about maybe a touchy subject like race. And then like, like a white person begins to speak and it's always like, 
So personally, so like from my point of view, like obviously recognizing my privilege, like obviously I'll never understand, like all of these qualifying things. And I'm like, and then they say like, and I just want, I just want you to say it. Like, I just want you to say exactly what's on your mind. And that's been like something really jarring coming to Europe, but especially when I was in Spain, like Spaniards will say, like they're the brain to mouth connection is the inefficient <laughs> one, you know? And like people, it was really jarring because people would say some crazy shit in the most casual way. And like, I was so not used to hearing that and that like kind of first draft thought because it had been mm. so filtered in the U S and while it was jarring and difficult, I came to really value it because I'm like, now we can have a conversation. Like now I know exactly what you think and how you feel. And I feel like when we have a conversation about it, you, we are actually beginning from like a conductive place. Like, and whereas I feel like in the U S what happens so much is that we filter, 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 filter. Like if Taylor Swift felt fat, regardless of whether or not that word should be used, that is how she feels. And that is, should always be where the conversation begins, you know, mm-hmm. the same way with auntie diaries. Like if you grew up using a word that is derogatory towards a queer community and you're, that's like, like in auntie diaries, he switches between dead naming, using incorrect pronouns to using proper pronouns. Like he is showing the, 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 the avenue of growth. Like he is showing his authentic feelings. In my opinion, that is where the conversation needs to start. You know, like, I don't think he shouldn't have not, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there, it's, I don't yeah. Yeah, know. Authenticity, authenticity is, yeah. Yeah. Cause authenticity does not mean um, thinking collectively. Mm-hmm. Authenticity means feeling honestly. Mm-hmm. And then through authenticity, you can have real conversations that may challenge how you feel, but mm-hmm. you should never be, um, uh, denounce for expressing how you feel. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you're going to act on those expressions, if you're going to then create community based off of those feelings, now that's where it becomes more problematic, right? So if someone's mm-hmm. like, I feel like, you know, as a, as a straight male, I should have access to uh, more opportunities. I can feel that way. But if I then say, I feel that way, and I'm going to create a social media platform where all straight males can get together, <laughs> have a conversation, make money, and start to destroy all the other communities, that's when it becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. But the but the feeling isn't problematic on its own. Mm-hmm. I think because like it, I view these things as like, vi- like viruses, kind of like thought mm-hmm. viruses of... Mm-hmm. Um, the you know like 10 day quarantine you know <laughs> like you know the idea of like the, but like the idea of if someone says something like horrible we like ostracize them from the community and then they find community that aligns with their thinking instead of mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. hey like uh, you know as an insult <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like as a part of the insult community like, i don't know but like, yeah. you know, but like but the but the idea of like um we are each other's resource also like and i also understand mm. the need to protect your peace like some mm. people won't change like the idea of talia caldwell like she was a guest on one of our episodes she said if we can't agree that you know stepping on someone's neck is bad then there's no conversation you know like i get it like mm. that's also very valid and true also like um because if we can't agree on reality then it's like that's 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 a more difficult thing, you know, but for sure. But feelings aren't always grounded in reality. So mm-hmm. so what what that that kind of example of stepping on someone's neck, that is not a feeling. That is an action that happened. 
And so mm-hmm. there is, it's hard for you. It's, I like to, I like to use the word flat statements, right? Like it, that should be a flat statement. Stepping on someone's neck is not good. <laughs> flat statement. It's not an, an opinion. It's just mm-hmm. is what it is. And then you can feel a certain way about certain situations where you might be like, oh, I feel so pissed right now. But, and that's where, again, community is so important. Like, you know, family allows you the space to feel, express, Mm -hmm. and work it out. And when we don't have a family structure, then you look for other forms of community. And when you're not able to feel, express, and then work it out in those different form forms then you find other places and that's mm-hmm. where it becomes way more radicalized and problematic right so what do we really want to accomplish as a society is is the authenticity question like do we actually want to be authentic because if we do then that means having having feelings that aren't always going to align with what we collectively mm-hmm. believe is the safest way to maneuver this social experiment mm-hmm. uh, for all groups yeah. Right. That's what the authenticity thing is. And if we don't want to be authentic, then let's just say we don't want to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And then that way we can just always say the right things all the time. And then have sometimes that one person that pops up and shoots up a school, you know, because they're like, oh, I've been unable to express myself. I can't express, I can't express, I can't express. And then you explode, right? Like, mm-hmm. again, that's where therapy is good. It, it gives you a place to release. Because if you don't release it in a therapeutic way, you're going to release it in another way. And and that could be really, really dangerous to other people. So let's let's try to create space for that authenticity to actually manifest itself so we can actually grow collectively. Um, shit. <laughs> and I think like the coming back to the importance of community is like, the idea of protecting the peace, this was such a theme, especially with like George Floyd protests, where it's like, I understand, I totally empathize with the idea of like, I, it's not my job to educate you, but that's what community is. Like, I will go, go out of my way to disrupt my peace if I have a personal relationship and a personal stake in your growth. That can only happen with community. Like, what pissed me off so much about George Floyd protests was that I had so many people in my DMs who I had not spoken with in years mm-hmm. being like, how can I be a better ally? <laughs> I don't have any stake in our relationship. Like that is, that is a point where I will protect my peace, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why like Kendrick's authenticity is kind of almost like a litmus test for that, mm. where it's like the people who I see defending his use, for, for example, on anti-diaries, his use for anti-diaries are people who feel more like of a personal connection with Kendrick as an artist. And the people who are quick to dismiss him don't have that same stake in his personal growth. Yeah. You know? Bingo. Yes. Bingo. That's it. That's right. That's right. That's exactly it. Right. Do you have a personal stake in the person, the artist, the art? Mm. And if you do, then you're going to digest it in a totally different manner. And if you don't, then you might just be like really quick to just say you're done. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I think the the flip side of that is on because I actually have learned the value of small talk. I was you like you, Christina. <laughs> I, I you know I I still more like you, Christina, and I love deep conversations. I love conversations like this. Um, you know, it's crucial. I, I love it. It makes me feel alive. But the idea of now's not the time. Like now's not the time for this. Mm. You know, like maybe this maybe this moment is the moment where 
we just need to like be polite. Like it's Thanksgiving. We just need to be polite to each other, you know, like, um, mm. and just like knowing when to turn it on. Because I used to be like, Hey, I'm just going to be authentic all the time. And like, yeah, it's like, and then just like, you know, um, it was alienating. I, I was alienated mm. and alienating and stuff like that. And, um, it's it's what a sucky world it would be if you're constantly just like activated all the time. Someone's like mm. feels the need feels the ability to be authentic authentic with you directly at you and like hurtful, and then you just have to take it. Like that's what what kind of world is that? Like we have mm-hmm. we we live in a society we have rules and stuff like that. But I think the danger is just living in the lie forever and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think we need to be like shaking awake sometimes like you know mm-hmm. yeah like every every great experience in life comes with texture right so if you're having uh, a meal if everything just tastes the same it kind of becomes bland but if there's a different texture if you're you know with your partner if everything tastes the same it becomes bland so it's like you just want to have texture. So like you said, like you don't always want to be like I picture Andrew like being in a club and like approaching a lady and saying like, yeah, so how do you build community? And what's your <laughs> yeah. like, and she's like, shut up. I'm listening to Drake. Like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, you know, like that's the worst pickup line. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's a time and place for everything. And and that is being authentic to you. Like somebody just want to party and bullshit. Yeah. You know, RIP big. You just want to do that. And that's, and you could be authentic in that mm. kind of superficial way. It's just that if you are saying, like Christina's example, if you are saying, hey, we're having a conversation and you have all the qualifiers, like I I come to this conversation with all my privileges, understanding <laughs> it's like, come on, like, yeah. let's actually have a conversation then. Like, don't give me all this bullshit. I think that's what Kendrick does on the album where it's like, this is the, he could not have dropped this as his first album, you know? Like he no. is like, it's and that's I think where my experience of the album might be like kind of interesting not having being really familiar with the bit about butterfly and stuff like that but even then you know enough about Kendrick to know like you know the, the context like in general what's this with which this album is being dropped and so like that authenticity like Andrew can't go up to a girl in a club and be like hey tell me your personal trauma because there's no context for that <laughs> yeah. but like Kendrick as an artist has established context, his yeah. context exactly and so I think like again and not and that's why honestly both of y'all like really changed my perspective on like Kodak or Kendrick being Kodak on and stuff like that because Kendrick is basically kind of drawing a fork in the line or fork in the road you know and saying like you can come with me or you cannot this is like everything I have to offer you this in this album really is the nitty-gritty this is like the like the the peak authenticity and now it is I'm choosing me now y'all decide like if you come with me or if you leave you know and I think that is like that is like the stakes of his authenticity on this album. And maybe mm-hmm. the uh, the critics are right. You know, maybe he's not right, actually. Maybe the people mm-hmm. who are against him are correct. And they mm-hmm. they should feel the need instead of going, well, everyone's following Kendrick. I should do that, I guess. And they should mm-hmm. like, if they, if that's right, then they should do that instead. You know, that's authentic to them. Mm-hmm. But it, it, his authenticity enables them to make that choice. Yeah, like you say, he presents the the choices honestly, and then you can honestly then decide what you want. And you're in your hundred percent right to say, "Hey, Noah Kendrick, I'm not going to follow you on this one." 
That's totally fine. What you can't do is, hey, Kendrick, I'm not going to follow you on this one. And I'm going to bash you online and make sure no one buys your album. And like, that's where you can't do, you can't cancel him. Yeah. But you don't have to follow him. Or, or rather, he shows you that you always had that choice always from the very beginning. Mm. You know, mm. it's not like he, mm. ch- he did it so that uh, Eckhart Tolle's bit is like uh, silence and presence is all you could just do it you could just do it now mm. you know it's it's always been within you it's hasn't it wasn't like um there's no question of is it too late for me is it it's like it's mm. a now scenario so okay any other like i think we should wrap up i think we should wrap it up um i like i really like um father time though i think it's really good um <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna slide that yeah. in there. Yeah. The end. Yeah. Um, the FD signifier has a bit of just like, would you rather have your kids need therapy because of you or because of the world? So it's like, it's an impossible mm-hmm. scenario. It's a possible choice. Like, do you want to just like, hey kid, go out, go out there, and like some some guy punches you and go like, Dad, why didn't you tell me there's a guy who's gonna punch you? Like, punch me and stuff like that. Like, it's um, so like his father like. He's not like an absent father or like a abusive father. He's just like a father who just like has his own trauma who passed it on to him. Mm. And then Kendrick's thing is like, well, that doesn't serve me anymore now that I'm like in my position now. So and like it probably won't. It probably isn't serving you like it probably isn't mm. serving the listener or whatever. So so uh, now we'll go through final thoughts and ratings of the record. We're a little <laughs> over time, um, but it's all good. Like, um. I had a, what a great discussion. I had a great time. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. So uh let's go. Let's turn this. I'll I'll go first. Um I love this record. I love this discussion. Um, and I love that this record provides this discussion. Um, because that's what great art does. It's just like the I, I love music that I can just turn my brain off to. I love it. It's important, it's valuable. Um, but Something like this is something I could will continue to chew on after this record. And it's really opened my empathy uh towards you know different communities. It's opened my empathy towards myself and understanding myself and um understanding that it's possible to break through to, to at least mitigate the pain of my own trauma, my own pain and stuff like that. Um, and there's steps you could take. And I love that Kendrick is subtle in a more subtle way, changing the algorithm a little bit, changing the algorithm, to be more compassionate, changing the algorithm to be, to focus on healing and uh, personal growth and, uh, and not being defined by trauma as much. So I think that's, that's mm-hmm. so crucial. So important. So I'm going to give this 10, um oprah comparisons out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> yeah i re- i taken everything andrew said i think the value of this album is not only it it's raw quality as like a work of, of hip-hop and rap and, and production but the like I just have, there's not a single album that has inspired as many good conversations this year as this album. Mm-hmm. And like that to me is the pinnacle of, of not the pinnacle. Cause I agree with Andrew. Like I need my beat loop music, you know, sometimes this is so now, yeah. but 
yeah, I think the the like the impact this album has had outside of playing time is like a, a really big indicator of like its quality. So yeah, I will give it 10. I don't know if this is so disclaimer. I didn't know <laughs> if this was like an appropriate metric for goodness, but the only thing I could think of was 10 white girls in Copenhagen out of 10 <laughs> because he talks about all the fucking white girls in Copenhagen. <laughs> Great. I don't know. Uh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. I think for me, um, it's, uh, it's, it's important. It's an important piece of work. Kendrick is an important person uh, in our, in our culture. And, I'm glad he took the time. Uh, he stayed away for five years and took the time to live and to heal and to grow. And, and now he's giving us the time to do the same. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a, a goat, one of the greatest for sure. And I, I was thinking about that Jay-Z line on uh, Moment of Clarity where he says, uh, I dumbed down for my audience to double my dollars to criticize me for it at the All Y'all, all y'all Holler. And I feel like with Kendrick, he didn't dumb down on this one. And he's still being criticized in some ways, but he didn't dumb down. He managed to double his dollars because his tour is phenomenal. Oh, that's and so, so yeah. yeah. And so where Jay, you know, we weren't ready for Jay to be a Kendrick when Jay was at his peak. We're, I think we're ready now to have a Kendrick do what he's doing. So, so I gave him 10, Mr. Morale <laughs> out of 10. Yeah. And like it's the the last Eckhart Tolle quote, like I remember because I I just watched his interview with Oprah. It's really good. Check it out. Um, but like um, she was she asked him like, "Is the world getting better or worse?" In your opinion, mm. and then he said, "The the most obvious answer. The same time. It's the same thing at the same time. Like it's getting better and it's getting mm. worse because, um, because." uh yes things are getting worse like obviously <laughs> like you could look at it like but like um but people are t- tuning into this conversation like the eckhart not our conversation no no one's no one's getting better off of our <laughs> conversation but like people are turning what do you mean <laughs> people are tuning into me talking with oprah and people are people care want to be better people want to this mm-hmm. is something they're thinking about and wanting to improve on so in that way that shows like an evolution of humanity a little bit like and that's a little egotistic a little bit a little bit like um but it's like but the idea of self-help and presence and um healing if someone if people are if more and more people are interested in that and if like someone like kendrick makes people more interested in this then that's a net positive i, I think that's making the world better so yeah all right mm-hmm. well we did it. Good job. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> so you cured. You cured the systemic <laughs> individual racism of everybody. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. Uh, Christina, do you have anything? Yeah, you'd like to plug or anything like people? Any ways people can find you or anything like that? You can follow me on Instagram if you want at xtina.is.okay uh sometimes i'm funny on there but recently not so much but maybe maybe i'll, I'll have my comeback yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh stanley what about you like anything anything up yeah I'll, i guess i'll plug uh sp by sp music my buddy and i have a little music 
kind of side gig thing. Uh, we had a new uh, single came out called Body Language. It's uh, it's fire. It's really good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so follow us at SPX, SPX Music on Instagram and um, let us know what y'all think. And you're the personal one is like snap bested or whatever. Yeah, that that one's boring. It's just like my my boring life. You golf and stuff. <laughs> you, you like take a picture of a hockey game and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. But but if I don't know you, I don't want you to follow me. So, so community. The, the, yes, fair. exactly. I'm an authentic Instagram user. <laughs> Uh, all right, fantastic. But follow Snap oh, Ascent. Follow Snap yeah. Ascent. Follow it. Follow it. Uh, yeah, you can follow <laughs> me at Andrew A. Lee on Instagram and Twitter. No, I'm not on Twitter anymore. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Andrew A. Lee. You can follow Sean at Diebag Twink on Instagram. You can follow Michael at Lemon Taco on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow show at IBMTLTT on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and Facebook. You could do that too. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you say ew? <laughs> like, I said, hey, and yeah, oh, yeah, theme songs by Otnis, covers by Olivia Jensen. Uh, this is such a great episode. Uh, we'll, we'll be back with our Prince episode soon, like in like next week. So check those out. Um, taking a little, yeah. Um, and uh, Christina, what song would you like to play us out with? Definitely going to plug. Pro Freak from Spino's new album. Yeah. Spino's new album has been on repeat. Oh, yeah, that and out, yeah. Pro Freak has been. Pro Freak is like the the bop. Should I say click? Yeah, yeah. Pro Freak, click. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, everybody. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, Yay. Thank you for solving generational trauma for all of us.